0: This is the Mountain Bike Podcast presented by GMBN, and this week we're joined by Rick McLaughlin. Hello. Hello. Uh, So you may know Rick uh, more recently, I guess, from Red Bull uh, UCI World Cup, downhill and cross country. I was a wrist with an accent for five years, yeah. That's me. And more recently from the Enduro World Series uh, coverage.
1: Yeah, I've been doing Enduro World Series for three years now, and this is going into my first season of full-time EWS employment. So.
0: Yeah, so no longer doing the
1: World Cup stuff? No, I will no longer hopefully have the carbon footprint of a small Chinese industrial
0: city. So <laughs> that's someone good. else will. That's good. Yeah, someone else will, so that's good. Uh, I always thought that must be difficult to do those two jobs, although it's, it sounds great. It's a cool job, but the, the travel needed to do those two jobs is pretty significant. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always loved doing what I do. It's always like if you
1: asked 14, 15 year old me, what you want to do? That's what I would have wanted to do. So I, like, I love the work, but the actual travel component of it is a nightmare. And like, well, it used to be a nightmare when I was doing both championships. Last year, there was one stage where, um, because I do course, I was doing course previews for cross country and for Enduro World Series. So I came back from a cross country World Cup to Edinburgh Airport, took swapped my bikes in the car park out of my bike bag, swapped bags and then went back into the airport again
0: and went to Whistler and it was it's Whoa. Yeah, it's not <laughs> ideal. <laughs> uh it's difficult, I suppose, with your family as well. That's it's a big burden on everyone, isn't it, We're doing that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, it's
1: kind of put the brakes on
0: it a wee bit in that I've got I've got two young kids now.
1: We're second in October and yeah, I've this off season I was just really like Looking at it going, I really don't want to do it again. You're away too long. You miss too many things. And very fortunate that I've got an employer um, like Chris
0: Ball, who then offered me a full time position at Enduro World Series. And here I am. That must also be quite nice to focus on one thing as well and feel like you can really have a positive influence on the EWS side of things rather than spreading yourself thin.
1: Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. Because I mean, like, I saw the last two years of doing both. I had one round where I just had like call it like sort of like an all body like shutdown thing. Like I like, last year in the twill I fell asleep in some plastic matting for four hours and like just yeah. my body just went yeah. whistler this year after that car park turnover. I just, I went to sleep for 12 hours in my room and like, um, yeah, I'm really excited because I've always done Enduro World Series with World Cups and I've always been sort of like, so so busy but now I'm looking forward to this year's racing of turning up and being fully
0: functioning and like well rested and it feels like a great time for the Endurable Series I guess it's kind of um, trying to not blow smoke up oh, it's funny you just say size. that Neil because Yeah, no, you're involved it's a great time well for... it's, it's, the sport is maturing we're seeing brilliant racing and it's been one of my personal sort of ambitions to be involved with it so I'm glad that, you know, that news out there, if you don't know, I guess, that we are going to host the uh, course previews and the race highlights of all the sort of and action on GMBN. So for me, it's been a really exciting time to get this this process working. And But, you know, aside from that, I think that Enduro is in a really exciting time. It feels like it. Yeah, it definitely. Fe- I mean, that was,
1: it was, yeah. I mean, Chris told me about, you know, this, you know, we, were, we were working towards this a while ago and it's all been a bit sort of, but now the news is out. We're with you guys. It feels like a really natural partnership. It finds like a really, po- it feels like a really positive place for the sport. And I think, by I mean, you sound like an evangelist, but I think positive is a really good word to describe a lot of what happens around the Enduro World Series. Whether it's the local organisers or the teams and the bike companies, the riders, I think it best reflects mountain bike racing in twenty twenty. And it's just really good to be a part of.
0: Yeah, I, I've got my own history with enduro racing. I've sort of I raced UK enduro for a, couple, well, a few years and did dabble a bit with EWS, and it was sort of not the right time for me. But it was definitely early days for enduro on the whole, and it's been great to see it progress and see the sort of the athletes progress with it. And we talk about it. we talked about this earlier in the video, we did about. The complete guide to EWS, how now there are athletes that have grown up to be enduro athletes rather than come in from other parts of the world? I think it's, yeah. And I think almost
1: you'll, I mean, gazing into the future, I think we'll get to a stage reasonably quickly where you'll start to see it going sort of 180 degrees. And like, it will be a rider who's, you know, specifically ridden in enduro will go and what we've seen already Martin May Mays winning a UCI World Cup downhill race like I think much like rally driving is like one of the high watermarks for motorsport that I think that Enduro will come that for mountain biking
0: yeah I guess so I think it's things like trials like if you're a good trials rider motorbike or mountain bike it sort of is the key to be able to be good at virtually anything on, a, on yeah. two wheels so maybe Enduro becomes that thing for mountain bike racing if you want to go off and race downhill you can do it I think it I think it breeds a lot of toughness as well. If you if you're good at Enduro,
1: you're a tough person. You're a you know you've got a personality that can just deal with whatever it throws up at you. And I think that's I mean it's vital for every other kind of race.
0: So. Yeah, definitely right. I mean it's interesting to see like we talked about earlier, with Cecile Ravenel coming from cross country. I wonder if we could have more cross-country races. We saw a bit of it in the early days, but those riders didn't really seem to suit the racing too much. I'd like, I mean, I've, when I was at Red Bull TV, I did course
1: previews for cross-country World Cups. And I've ridden, a, you know, not saying a lot, but a bit with top-line cross-country riders. And I think definitely, if you look at the likes of Elan and Neff, she could come into Enduro. And I'm not saying she's going to go and win stuff, but she would be right up there just because they're so technically good and they've got such a big engine. We had, earlier on this off-season, we had a story that completely unprompted out of the blue, Matthew Vanderpool said that he really wants to come and do an enduro, he just can't do it time wise. But I think that would be
0: fascinating, wouldn't it? Yeah, he, I think he is one, he's the person I actually had on my sort of my list of things to ask you about is that you get to talk to a lot of these very uh, talented people, but he's one of the more interesting ones for me, I think, just the way he has come into well, everything he's done from cross-country to the road he's planning to do and has done, like he did with the, what was the the race, the classic he won I'm last still year, gold. the am Gold. Gold, yeah. I was going to say, I knew it was a beer sponsor. I couldn't remember exactly the race. Jack's here as well. Hi, hey Jack. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he's really interesting. Now, I know people say a lot of, of great things, obviously, about Peter Sagan, which I can't take away from him. But for me, Matthew Van is the guy, I think, who really interests me the most, the way he is so talented across all things. And that would be awesome. See him do endure, obviously, it's a bit of an ask. His calendar's pretty full, I'd imagine, for... Yeah, I just, he's... For me, he's like,
1: he's the Ronaldo of cycling at the minute. He's sort of like, no matter what team he goes to, he's going to score 20, 30 goals a season. Do you know what I mean? He's just like, he's the complete package. I mean, I first... i I've One of the, like, guiltily, one of the first times I heard of him was... Uh, in Stellenbosch, we were. I think I missed a World Cup round that he did. He sort of came. He sort of dipped his toe in the water a couple of times. I forget what year it was. And the next year, he rolled up in Stellenbosch and I was "This kid, Matthew Vanderpool's here. He's going to be. He's going to do X, Y, and Z." My job at the Cross Country World Cups, so I was stood in the tech zone, sort of like where they can get tech help and like pits or whatever. And Nino Schurter was, I think, he was third or fourth in the race, and there's a big gap back to the main pack. And they come past this zone flat out and his mechanic was shouting to him every lap where Vanderpool was Hmm. like Vanderpool, he's 19th, he's 20th, he's back in the pack. And you're like, if he's on Nino's radar at the first world cup of the year, and that's all he wants to know about. And then sure enough, it started ticking down. Like he's 15th, he's 12th. He's, and the jaws music was on. Do you (laughs) know what I mean? And I've interviewed him a couple of times, lucky enough to do that. And, Really nice, well-mannered, unassuming kid who is... When you go to Europe, he is a rock
0: star. Like, he's a big, big deal. So it's the big cyclocross background, yeah. you know, over in the, the Low Countries. That is a huge thing. And and he's obviously been super successful over there. Mm-hmm. And like you say, the Jaws music. Nino's had an incredible career. How old is he now? he's still only 33. I thought he was slightly older than that. He's younger than me, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean... We know that Vanderpool has said that he's going to race road after the Olympic year, so maybe he sort of Nino you know, may have dodged a bullet slightly there. I think so. Yeah, I, it's hard to say because you can't take anything away from Nino, and I
1: I think that any great like him, no matter when you go out, there's always going to be that new kid, yeah. on their way in. Yeah. And but I just think that Vanderpool is he's writing his own history, and I think he's quite aware of what you saw from, I'm a big motorsport fan, but you saw it with Sebastian Vettel whenever he became obsessed with... like He had to set fastest lap records as well in Grand Prix, and he was setting fastest lap of the race on the last lap. And it's like, yeah. I think he's quite aware of his place in history, and I think that drive is going to But I'd love to have him
0: at an Enduro World Series. Wouldn't that be amazing? I think it would be yeah, really interesting. I'm sure he would do well, whether or not... You know, you talk about with that, would that engine, When you've ridden them, would that engine help them? Do you think it or? definitely would? But when you're talking about pure speed and you're looking at people like Sam Hill, like I don't think he would shine a candle to that. Um, I'd love to see. I'd love to see what it would do to different rider's psychological
1: <laughs> ap- approach if he turned up because yeah. it's a big. It's a and all of a sudden a massive fish in your
0: pond. It's like. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I've ridden. I've been lucky enough again to ride with Nino Schurter and seeing what he can do. And he's definitely no slouch when it comes to riding a bike. I think it's downhill. really it's
1: really underrated in yeah. terms of what level those guys ride at, and girls as
0: well. It's. I'd love to see someone like Nino on a on an enduro bike. Just, I mean, I wonder if the, it, that's you know, naturally convert their speed to it because it's such a different thing and they spend so much time on a cross-country bike. I but. think it's a really difficult thing because I think cross-country you
1: spend a lot of time measuring how much your expenditure. Like, you know, we saw whenever Van der Poel beat Nino in Nova Mesto last year, he attacked at a very specific place. And if you actually look at the different places around that lap, he left himself two, possibly three other places he could have attacked them. If it didn't work, he still had reserves. Whereas in enduro, it's now it's 100% that like those guys are going. Everything. It used to be sort of you rode carefully but quickly. Mm-hmm. Now with one lap, you know, one run of practice, like you don't get that luxury anymore. It's like you have to put it all on the line on every stage. And I don't know if a top flight cross country rider like that would be able to necessarily go there. That quickly, but then he's he's Matthew Vanderpool. You're not yeah. gonna say he can't do it, are
0: you? No, and and for people like Nino and Matthew, the, the cross country race circuit is huge. There's no there's no real incentive for them to go and race in without trying to apart from hanging out with us. Well, yeah, without trying to slander yeah. the, the endurable series. That their their world is a big world as far as cycling goes. So that's where they're making their money. And obviously for Vanderpool, that is looks mm. like it's gonna be the road where you can times that money by ten. I, I, I just though I'm not gonna
1: pretend I know him, but I've covered his racing for a few years. I've been lucky enough to interview him quite a lot. And he's a sort of character. At the same time, it a hundred percent wouldn't surprise me if tomorrow there was an Instagram post saying I'm gonna go and do that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? He's just I think he he very much does what he wants to do and what he thinks he's gonna enjoy. He's um He's someone who very much, I think, enjoys his bike ride and he enjoys his racing. And I think if the right opportunity presented itself.
0: Yeah, and I, I've never met the guy, but I definitely get those vibes as well. Like he's in it for the love of riding bikes rather than where, you know, money's going to take him. One of the coolest things I've ever seen was after where,
1: where we Val de Sole and he won the Eliminator and it threw down rain for the whole thing. And he was covered head to toe in, in mud. Like you wouldn't have known it was him. He had that much mud on him and his trainer was there brought the kit bag over before our interview live telly he wiped his face and then he put on a pair of ice white Adidas Stan Smith trainers and I was just like that's the mark of a dude do you know what I mean that's like he gets it he's just a cool customer isn't he
0: yeah it, it doesn't surprise me but it's funny when you go to a World Cup race and maybe there's downhill and cross country it always feels like the cross country team's it's a bit of a bigger deal, a bit more of a bigger budget. It seems. I don't know if that might be wrong, but it feels like. I think like... it's
1: a wider sport, really. It's a, it's a it's a wider known sport yeah. than the likes of the downhill. Downhill is it's quite top gun. It's best of the best. It's like whereas I think it's you know it, it gets caught in its own bubble now and again. Whereas yeah. I think cross country, especially with the
0: likes of, because it's sort of seems as a bit of an evolution of cyclocross. So yeah, okay. It's a bit more, to me, it's more shiny, whereas the downhills, it's all a bit more feral. Not as feral as it used to be in my day where you were. You were pretty feral, (laughs) man, I don't know. (laughs) But you know what I mean? It's much more professional now than it was, but it's still not really up to the standards of a cross-country race team where you've got managers, masseurs, mechanics. It's very regimented. And what, like, there's things that you see when you're around
1: the sport that maybe you don't see as a fan, which is, you know, like... We we would go out for breakfast like on the Monday morning after Mont Saint Anne and you'll see every team is out doing interval training up and down the road and you're just like, You raced yesterday, you spent all week preparing for that race, now Why? you're back out and you're just like it's I think it's such a it's almost like a vocation, it's such a total obsession and calling that it's yeah, I've for never honestly when I started working for Red Bull TV, I wasn't I came from that sort of British background of Downhills everything in it, downhill gravity sort of fueled racing, like BDS, RAV 4s before that, like yeah. that's what you followed and didn't really know much about
0: cross country. And then the more you see it and the level that they race at is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I've followed a similar path, I suppose, where you know, you when you get to see the wider world of cycling and mountain biking, it's much bigger than the the cult of mm. British you know, downhill racing and injury racing. There's a, you know, it, what surprised me was the first time I went to Rock Desire. It was a huge festival and I think crazy numbers of people just racing cross country. I was like, well, I didn't know this thing existed yeah. until now and cross country is huge. Yeah. Um, do you think you'll miss going to the downhill races?
1: Yeah, I think, I think I will. Um, I think I will because I've been, a fa- I've been a fan of the sport since I was, I don't know 10 years old so yeah yeah obviously I will miss it but I'm also looking forward to just I mean, I've been I've, I was increasingly going to them thinking I'd love to just watch this as a fan and I used to go and watch all the junior races because I could I had no responsibility during the juniors, so I could just go and watch that and enjoy it and I think yeah I mean what I do now is I mean it's obviously if you care about something it's stressful but
0: I think at those races, it had really got to the stage where it was live TV, super stressful. And I can only imagine it. It must be a really difficult job getting to those races, preparing, and knowing that you're going to be on live TV. I mean, we've dabbled on a very small scale We're doing live stuff where it was kind of fun, but I would imagine the pressure of a, a lot of people wanting to be entertained. Or I was, they want to see the yeah, action.
1: it was really... When I first started doing it, I was really conscious that I've got quite a strong accent. Um, now, that I live in, now that I live in Scotland, it's not as strong as it used to be, but it used to be, like, really strong. And what one of the things that happens whenever you're stressed is that if you've got an accent, it comes back a lot thicker oh, and, okay. and a, your heart rate's going. And, yeah. and, like, I used to, like, I used to like lie, in be, lie in bed at night worrying about what happens if you just just come out with a string of Northern Irish consonants <laughs> at someone that like <laughs> they don't understand and then what happens then and then it happens once and they just ask you to repeat the question you repeat the question and so there is a bit of a yeah like it's not it's live TV it's not the end of the world but yeah it, it was
0: really really stressful can um, you think of any like sort of times when you messed it up and you really oh yeah you started sweating and thinking oh god I've completely uh, Greg Minar one. In Lenser and I
1: think it was his nineteenth nineteenth World Cup win, which was I think it either tied Petey's record or it broke it. I can't remember which one it was. And he we got him in front of the board, got the camera ready, got everything set off, about to go live, and had this he had this big pair pair of murder oakleys on and that's mirrored. Sorry, that yeah, that was well, that's an example of the of the <laughs> pressure. Yeah, mirrored, mirrored Oakleys, and my director like just shouted in my ear, like get him to put his shades up, get him to put his shades up, and oh. it's a difficult one because a you're getting ready to speak to somebody like, and mm. b I kind of go, that's one of the ways a dude makes his living. Like you know, it's it's not yeah. really for me to like, not going to love that sort of direction for someone to say that, I and guess. and Greg is. I really, really like Greg. I get on very, very well with Greg. Uh, his It's always a lot more intimidating interviewing someone who's a joker and who's, who, who's quite clever, which he is. And, yeah. and he's like, what? And I said, you need to put your shades up. And he's like, oh, okay. And he put his shades up and I was like, oh, you're blah, blah, blah. You're 19 four cup win, you know, a little bit of history. Even for you, that must be, you know, must be really, really cool. And he said, no, nah, I don't really think of the numbers. And he put his sunglasses back down over his eyes. And oh. I was just like, oh, oh no. God, I like, so, <sighs> so that I, went, I normally have to get questions written out. And I pressed them on. And I was like, oh, come on, Mr. Cool. Do you mean, that must be a pretty, that's a pretty good <laughs> figure to get two nineteen 19 World Cup wins. And he started laughing. He's like, no, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's quite good. And, <laughs> but I was like, oh, the time going. You're, you're, he still laughs about the last World Cup I did. We had a beer and he laughed about
0: putting me under pressure at that. yeah i mean that it's also quite difficult when you know someone and you may be it's uh, more difficult you you know you can interact socially with them have a good time and then uh, you've got to be professional i guess i know i work with um at the
1: same time i've been announced as full-time with ews Rory cunningham is also and we've known each other for a long time and i always find him one of the hardest people to interview because you're looking at each other Trying to keep a straight face and trying to go through the motions of being professional, and then there's just a heartfelt,
0: like Celtic volley of swear words, and he rides off like, <laughs> and it's yeah, and, and it's not the Wild West anymore. They are Warner uh, Freecaster days. You've got well, well yeah, it's your duty to be professional, but also keep it family friendly, I guess. Yeah, and it's it's a tough one because you, i you know. Not a lot in mountain
1: biking, but every now and again, you need to press something. You need to ask awkward questions. And as a journalist, it's difficult. because You build up relationships with people. You build up friendly relationships. And you've got to be aware that at some stage, you could ask something that they're not going to like. And
0: you've got to just ride it out and look <laughs> at them and go, go on then. <laughs> <sighs> That's tough. Who's the, the, who's the most talented person, do you think, you've seen ride a mountain bike? Oh, aside from you <laughs> aside from you blake everyone else um i guess i'm talking about races people that where you have been there and you're like blown away by what they're doing i don't i'm always blown away by what racers are doing um
1: i'm a bit of a sam hill anorak so i'd say i'd say sam can do things on a bike that other people cannot do and other people spend a lot of energy trying to do and will never do. I've always, I was always fascinated with the racers at the top of their tree like Sam and I think there's only been very few people who can see time very clearly. They can see, I remember, I could bring it back to Downhill again, Um Minar told me about when he won in Fort William, he won those two back to back, the first one he won. He said that he knew that it was that year the woods were really bad yeah. and he said, I'm going to need clear vision going into the woods, yeah. which means I'm going to pull a tear off, which means I need a spot to pull a tear off. And he timed it and he'd worked out there was a second, it would take him a second to sit down, pull a tear off, stand back up. So then he worked out that he needed to be off the top section, a second and a half up to give himself a bit of leeway. And then he would like that wee flap bit before you go into the woods at the wall ride, he'd sit down there, pull a tear off. And he's telling you all this, and you're thinking, like, how? How, yeah. how does your brain process that track in that it's system incredible. of, like...
0: I, but, I, I mean, I, I like the idea of that, but I wonder if that's something... I'm, I'm not sure about this at all, but I wonder if that's something they feel like they have to tell themselves yeah. to do that, or if it actually is something that they know. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. That's kind of a... Quite an obtuse way of saying it, but I wonder if he feels like he needs to. He'll gain confidence from thinking like think oh, it's a mantra sort of a thing. Yeah, a sort of thing that? you tell yourself. I don't know.
1: I, I don't know. I think. Yeah, I think Sam really. I think to do, to do what Sam's done throughout his career. And I was going
0: to he, say he's got a long history of doing what. He's yeah,
1: doing. um, the first big mountain bike race I went to was the Worlds in two thousand seven when he won it in Fort William. And the trees were bending like an old spice advert water coming through. And he's just he was just visibly quicker than everyone else. That like he like and then he's done that. And if you look at pictures of him to would he win Worlds in 2010, I wanna say. Um you look at pictures of him then compared to what he looks like. Now he's changed his body shape completely. He's so just trim and
0: Yeah, his commitment to what he's doing has been a hundred percent but right. when we were in like when we were in um
1: North Star and it, it went down to two, set, two tenths of a second between him and Richie. And he was like, at the podium, we'd done our interviews and stuff, and we're walking off and like, I saw him standing and he doesn't, it's not a character he puts on, he's just somebody who doesn't talk a lot. He doesn't offer you a whole lot. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, well done, like, you know, tough race today. And he, he just, he looked at me and he was just like, furious and he was just like, I want to race again tomorrow. <laughs> like he didn't look. and then I said straight away I was like he's gonna win that title. Like whatever happens in Zermatt he is gonna win that title and just
0: Yeah. There's two different stars there. For for me it looks like Richie Rude really, like beats a course into submission, whereas Sam Hill masters it like he will just be almost perfection about finding speed. He finds speed though where he's very very clever. If you look at um
1: 2018 a bit in twenty seventeen as well. He'd find what was undoubtedly going to be the toughest stage and he'd tank time into people like 15, 20 seconds. He'd win that by. I mean, we had in what was it in Maniz- was it Manizales? I think it was, yeah, Manizales. And no, it was Whistler, sorry. Um, that big long stage at the start and top of the world. Top of the world. And it went into ride, don't slide, which is oh, just a savage, savage test. You won it by 16, 17 seconds. And people at the bottom of it were like looking at the live time on the app, and they were just in disbelief. They were like, (laughs) "But then he builds that gap and he manages that gap
0: throughout the rest of the day, which is just like a very, very clever and a very, very tough way of doing it." Yeah, I've I've no, I have no idea how you'd actually do that to know or judge your speed perfectly to be like, "Well, I'm about on course with those rest of the riders for the rest of the stages." Whether you know, I don't know. I can't get my head around that. I've had my own share of getting beaten by Sam Hill in Whistler. <laughs> well, everywhere. But Whistler... There aren't many people who've ridden bikes competitively uh, who have not. The old Garbanzo race back in the day, I don't know. He used to do really well at that, didn't he? Yeah, so it would have been 2008, seven, uh, And it's 15 minute, and he put a serious you know, time into everyone, including me. And it was like, well, you know, compared to Top of the World, that's quite a short stage. And he still managed to put in a big time gap.
1: That two That 2008 World's Run... Val de for me, is still, that's one of the greatest race runs ever. And I watch, I do actually, as a, Iraq, I watch that maybe a couple of times a year and just sort <laughs> of just, but I think it's similar to Danny's World's Run in Champery where you kind of need to see the two or three riders before it yeah it's to get that visual, like, look at the speed the man's traveling at. And he does that on an enduro bike regularly and there's always a shot someone has where we're all gathered around the screen going look at Sam go and yeah I think I don't know how long he'll keep on doing it he certainly doesn't seem to be slowing down at all there doesn't seem to be any sign of
0: oh uh, yeah you sort of hear rumblings that he won't be around for too much longer which you you can't blame the guy he, he lives the other side of the world most of the races he's got a family he's proved himself uh, I'd still love to watch him ride a bike which um, I'd hope we would get to do even if he wasn't racing I, I, I kind of think as well he'll
1: he'll do that mic drop thing I, f- I kind of think yeah, know, maybe. He'll, he'll win a couple more big things and he'll just walk off and go that's me done and you go I don't think I think as both downhill and enduro get more and more specific I don't think we'll see the likes of him again I think if you're a race fan you're living in a very lucky
0: time mm-hmm. Yeah, we've seen Martin Mays do some pretty incredible things you know, in well, 2019. Yeah, um, in terms of downhill and enduro. Yeah, true. And his, obviously, uh, there's a bit of a mark there where he lost two rounds, to so that doping violation, which has been discussed a lot by ourselves and everyone, I guess, in the media. But uh, he he was in such dominating form last year. Obviously, he did have a good end of the season when he came back, but it, it's exciting times now to see what happens. Uh in Manizales the first round because you know you wonder who's going to come out swinging i've
1: no idea i've genuinely like i've last time we were there, Sam was dominant, but richie's resurgent martin's like martin and will martin will want to walk away from those two rounds the way he walked from walked away from the two rounds in twenty nineteen just with so many points such a buffer
0: yeah, you can imagine that you know, when he came back to racing last year, he must have been fired up during that off time. Can you imagine what he'd be doing? I can imagine him dying the canal. He's a sort of like, yeah,
1: Dolph Lundgren
0: sort of (laughs) like Rocky Four in the yeah, Boom. If he dies, he
1: dies. Like really (laughs) sort of like running around in circles in a lab and stuff. I just think he's like, he's such a driven guy and he's such a, such a great bike rider. And I think what's really interesting is that the Martin off two or three years ago was very much checkers or records. Like he, you know, would win a stage, and then blow up on the next one, have a massive crash. And he seems to have found that magic speed that wins. Yeah. He seems to have found that sort of balance. And um, that bike works for him. Like his style, he looks not unlike the likes of when you know he was in his prime he doesn't move
0: a lot on the bike he's got a very calm very just planted sort of shape on the yeah, bike and I've always thought that about Sam Miller as well actually like just, he doesn't yeah. move around the bike that much it's all pre-planned what's interesting I think with Sam is that I think there's this sort of cult of Sam that grew around him of like
1: super wide handlebars super aggressive corners and if you actually watch him ride it's not yeah. really what he does a lot of the time it's yeah. all very well balanced there's no like I mean Sam Blinkensopp's one, I mean, one of my favourite riders to watch in terms of how he rides a bike. Oh, it's much more dynamic. That's it's for very sure. dynamic, lots of energy going all sorts of areas. Where you watch like a Sam or a Martin, it's very calm, cool, collected. I think you're seeing that more in Enduro in general. I think there's a very efficient style that's sort of.
0: Bruni as well. We've had a brilliant year last year, I think, watching those, you know, on and Bruni and Men's Downhill. You know, one upping each other each round, and for me personally, now, Bruni is one of the most stylish riders. I love watching him ride a bike. He just seems to, you know, work his way down a hill really, really fast without being too dramatic about it. I guess not. Not to bring it back to me again, Neil, but <laughs> I did. One of the things I did sort of think
1: about was that was a that was a brilliant year to leave it to just walk because I, I just the racing last year yeah. in between. Bruni and Pierron was just
0: fascinating. It was. I actually, I mean, i good friends with Danny Hart. Uh, I felt for him, to be fair. It's like the last round. Oh, that was a brilliant ride. I, yeah. it, got,
1: it got a little, I think, over, they lost in the noise of those yeah. two racing each other. But I mean, I was stood, I had a brilliant, I had a ringside seat for it. I was at the bottom. And it's tense. Very Pierron, tense. Pierron, like, after Pierron's run, like one of the things they'd done, I don't know why they did it, they put the the hot seat with its back to the big screen, so the riders in the hot seat couldn't, <laughs> couldn't see what see, was going yeah. on. And Piron was just like in agony. Like he was curled up, he was rolled up, then he was behind it, then the UCL would come and put him back on the hot seat, <laughs> and they <he laughs> were like, like. and he was just in bits and then Bruni came down just this like
0: thousand yards there back up the track. I remember, yeah, seeing it and seeing the stress. Then Danny (laughs) won. Yeah. It was actually in that the video series the Red Bull one with Kate they showed that and you can see how stressful that situation was. Obviously both really, I think it was a bit more complicated because they knew each other and like, I don't, they seem to handle it pretty well, that they're obviously friendly with each other and, and super competitive at the same time. I think it's a difficult one. Mm. I think
1: Bruni, like... I think what's really interesting with Bruni's racing is that when he's on one, every shot that you see in the live, he's perfect then. Pierron's not. Pierron, like, yeah. is just going and... He
0: is wild.
1: But he seems to be able to be consistent across a year with it, which is really interesting, but...
0: Yeah, uh, downhill starts before Enduro does it this year lose, loser uh, loser. Lose. loser, yeah very soon so looking forward to that you ridden there that's one of those ones that a lot of British riders yeah. have ridden I've not been there again back in you know, there I rode there with Sam Hill <laughs> <and the> Athens, <laughs> was he faster than you there for any chance well we went between the old uh, Lisbon downtown race and then Pete you win that like 27 years in he a did, row or made something. about a billion pounds doing yeah. it yeah <laughs> um, and the Vigo World Cup. I mean, I can never remember. I never to here. Vigo. My never went to Vigo. Memory's not great here, but we remember going on like a. Everyone seems to just want, want to go somewhere in between races, and everyone showed up to lose and that was 15 years ago. And uh, yeah, it was, it's great. When we went there end of last year, actually, to do some videos. So get, got to ride some of it. Is it. There was a lot of talk, wasn't there,
1: about. They had a race there last year, and there was a lot of people saying it was trail bike and dural bike sort of. I it's not the speed World Cup boys are travelling that but how does it compare to other World I don't Cup know travels? I mean
0: yeah it's been a while since I've ridden the World Cup Daniel track of any sort so I, I would find it hard to compare obviously I've done my fair share of Fort William and Montserrat over the years it looks like Montserrat has no dirt left on the hill Val de Sole is like that Val de Sole is basically a wooden staircase it's, like it's, so that's where it's going to be different there will be a lot when we rode it it was super loamy um, oh what was that noise I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Super low me, well, muddy to be fair, but I think it'll be good. It's exciting to see a new, for me, looks like a good, Hill, you know, big down on track on the circuit, a bit like we saw with Lo Sheen. Just a how bit long of a new is it? Track? Track? I'm a big proponent of short down. Well, on tracks. it's a big hill, but I believe they're not starting it from the Half top. It's sort of halfway. Halfway. Yeah, actually, I even we rode from there. Yeah. We rode out at the start, and Blake had a massive crash.
1: I don't. I know that there's this sort of. A, I mean, there's lots of very angry corners of the internet these days. But and you know, like people saying, oh, track, you know, track shouldn't be designed to be good for TV. There's that noise again, Um but. If you look at downhill tracks that have provided brilliant race and a brilliant television, you go to the likes of Wyndham and Lotion and like shorter tracks where it becomes more F1 y and you're down to tenths of a second. And yeah, I mean, Lotion, I thought it was a, I mean, I still think it was a big moment for downhill that didn't people didn't really seem to get excited about. But well, that was the first time that we'd covered a track top to bottom
0: live. Is that right? And yeah, maybe oh, I've forgotten that. It's and fun. i
1: just yeah i just sort of thought that i mean that's yeah that's cool i mean i the free cast for years and someone would arrive in the shot on the live three seconds up and you go where's he done that How's yeah done that? yeah and you sort of go oh. it's
0: difficult yeah and that was a big one for brooke it felt like brooke was gonna win there and obviously oh, yeah match. he's had a tough year obviously serious injury at Ann. a big recovery that he's still in the midst of he's yeah, hands down one of my
1: favourite bike riders Brooks Just and just a gentleman off the bike just a, just a really good guy just a really genuine Um, like yeah just we'll stop and talk to you Just with no you know no qualms about it and yeah. I think yeah Brooke will be back Brooks, it was such a shame because he was going so fast
0: yeah yeah it looked like a really big one obviously it's, it's you know a big injury to deal with that he looks like he's absolutely bossing it you know on Instagram we see his stories and stuff That's, he's doing yeah he's
1: unbelievable isn't it it's just incredible
0: and yeah great to see so you know big year we're looking forward to very soon with Enduro and World Cup uh, Daniel but for cross countries obviously it's bigger we're Olympic year should it go ahead you know where there's all sorts of <sighs> yeah things rolling around at the moment let's, um, us, let's assume it's going ahead for the sake of this podcast yeah I mean I'm really looking forward to watching Tokyo Olympics. It looks good. The track looks yeah, proper. I, you know, there's there's a very slim chance I might be able to go pre Olympics to right, do stuff. <laughs> to do some uh yeah, ride the track. I'm hoping that comes off because it looks good, it looks hard, it looks technical. There's gaps and stuff on it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um there's a couple of like split lines that look gnarly and fast as well. So it's such it's such a difficult sport. I mean
1: I spent a lot of years and like watching the speed they're doing everywhere is so much higher than I think a lot of people realise but on camera it just doesn't look as visually arresting as I mean you put a MotoGP bike on a track it doesn't look like it's going that quickly then you stand beside it and it's <laughs> yeah. like
0: like absolutely yeah I, yeah I did that very thing this year when I saw it at yeah. Silverstone awesome and Right, Rick. We'll wrap this one up in a minute, but let's—we can't finish this without some predictions for 2020. Okay, tricky. I mean, let's start with downhill. Pff,
1: downhill.
0: I'm gonna go. Tani's out, isn't she? Looks, yeah. So she's, that looks like a nasty injury for Tani. Rachel's not gonna be back 100 percent for no. sure. No, no. It's pff, Tracy or Miriam. I'm gonna say. Yeah, it feels like. And what we're talking about? We're talking about the first round winners, I guess. That's what we're more excited about. It's your podcast, Neil. You tell me. First round winners, right? You're going with on track. We know nothing. I know nothing about. I'm going to go uh, Miriam. Me too, man. I'm going to go with Perion. Gwen, maybe
1: Gwen. I kind of he he
0: has to, but I'm not sure he will.
1: Yeah, I think this is a big year for Gwen. I think there's a big year. He needs a big result. I kind of also, I mean. As a journalist, you sort of you run off the form book a lot. Um, there's nothing that's happened to Bruni or Piran in the off season that makes you go they're going to be
0: any slower. Yeah, I tell you what, you said Piran, I'll say Bruni. Good, right? Now to Enduro, I'm saying, <sighs> I'm saying Martin Maze. First and round
1: for what for Manizales? Yep, Maze and Corderie. Maze and Kudurier. I'm going to say Corderie because that's I I find yeah. I think Noga, likes the ALN, are going to get closer and closer and I think they're going to take more and more potentially offer, but I think Isabel's amazingly determined and I think she'll be working very, very hard on that new bike. I think that new bike's very, very good, so I'm going to say probably Possible, Yeah, yeah. I'll say Cordurier. Um Men? Oh, that's one of five or six people for me. I'd say...
0: It's not a very good answer, though.
1: It's it? not a very good answer. It's not very really compelling for a podcast, is it? Um, <laughs> Sam won there last time. It could rain because there's only dry and wet seasons in Colombia, so
0: I'd say Sam. Add on to the Olympians this year. Olympians? Or with cross country? Well, no, I are talking about the first round of the World Cup where's that Nova Mesto this year uh, well, I don't know I'm presuming it is I'm out of the game now You've got, you, you tell me I can look through my calendar but that's going to slow down this podcast
1: it's alright people are in their cars I've got time <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure it's Nova Mesto I see uh, Nova Mesto or Alpstar is it here
0: we go um, if it's not one of those two. Las Vegas Supercross not that no it's not Las Vegas Supercross um, yeah Nova Mesto Noviemesto. Mesto, Mesto. Um, end of May Vanderpool, Olympic year is a
1: funny one because they're not going to peak. Although actually, people keep their powder dry, so you could get a tempier or someone like that. Sam
0: Gaze showed up that first round, wasn't it? Sam Gaze, yeah. Where was that in South Africa? Yeah, first round. That was yeah years ago,
1: and won that. He was. Um, I kind of think Vanderpool, just because he's good round there. He won there last year. And I kind of think if the rules off keep your powder dry don't apply to anybody it's him. (laughs) And I think in the women's race well we we talked about Sam Hill not winning the race Yolanda Neff didn't win a race last year. And
0: she's had a pretty serious injury in this off season. Yeah. So she's unlikely to do that. Pauline Franpropos had more surgery. Pauline won that brilliant race at the end of last year.
1: Um, Pauline. Yeah I'll say Pauline.
0: Oh right i will agree with you on those two Vanderville and Paulia. you can't agree with me you've got to go somewhere else haven't you well I think I mean granted I've got the two big ones but go on <laughs> well, I don't think the women's race is going to be interesting um, like I say Landon F is so strong on the descents but that's Kit Courtney
1: yeah Kit Courtney could be a great show actually yeah, yeah sorry
0: Courtney go on, she's then. one round there as well yeah go on I'll go for that right cheers Rick uh, thank you very much as we did, we mention at the start of the podcast that uh, GMBN has the EWS course previews and race highlights, so check those out. Obviously. Coming from Manizales and Lobar very soon. And Another then- stunning year of being absolutely smoked by the person I'm doing course previews with. <laughs> Looking forward to <laughs> yeah. that. I'll be doing those, hopefully. Yeah. Um, so, but then we've got a break from those two rounds over to Europe. Where are we going after that? We're right. going to Montaña de Carux. Oh, yeah. Um, the
1: home of rocky tech riding, the, the destroyer of rims that is is Montaña de Carux. Okay. No larg. Yep.
0: Good stuff. Looking forward to the season starting. Cheers, Rick. Thank you very much, Neil. We should do this again sometime. Uh, we'll do. As ever, find this podcast on uh, Audio Boom, Spotify, Deezer, Apple Podcasts, or iTunes, wherever it's called.